Ladies and gentlemen, a very warm welcome, and boys and girls, of course, to Capital Sports 2.0, the last Capital Sports 2.0 of April. Now, remember, this is the month that we turned three years old. So we're going to have a big birthday celebration tonight because we have one of the first people we had. Actually, I think we've got two of the first people we had on our very, very first show. Of course, we had uh, Andrew Flint and Alexander Zotov. But first, I'll say hello to Andy Mack. Andy, how are you doing? Very well, how are you? Good indeed. Andrew Flint, uh, thank you for taking time away from your wife's birthday. <laughs> no, don't worry, thank you. She's no longer his wife. He's no longer his wife. It sounds like he was happy that you, you did it. <laughs> 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 and Alexander Zotto, very welcome. <laughs> yeah, I lost my earphone. Okay. God, yeah. <laughs> it looks good. Right. It's popped okay. out. <laughs> what has been going on since yesterday? Well, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, they have been awarded the Ligue 1 title. They were 12 points clear of the table when it was suspended on March 13th. And as we said yesterday, it's been uh, null and voided, so they have been awarded the title. Um, Lorient, they are League 2 champions. They finished one point ahead of Lens, so they are both promoted to uh, Ligue 1. And Amiens and Toulouse, they are going down to League 2. They decided that they would have average points per game. That's how they did it. And uh, PSG were awarded it. And the head, the chief executive of the French League, Didier Quillot, said there might, I was going to do it in a French accent, but I won't. There might be French appeals, but our decisions are solid. Okay. Well, you said solid. Uh, of course, we know that the Dutch uh, top flight was abandoned as well with no promotion or relegation. And that has opened up a real kind of worms. Um, and of course, the FNL was wrapped up. We're going to ask Alexander Zotov a little bit about that. Elsewhere around Europe, uh, a lot being spoken about in Ireland, for example, the GAA employees have been asked to understand that they should be taking a pay cut. It's very, very difficult because they are very, very dependent on uh, ticket takes. With no, this coming weekend, the first uh, game of the Ireland Football Championship was due to take place in New York, between New York and Galway, not taking place. Huge, huge black pit with no money for the GAA. Now, the Liverpool mayor has said that the Premier League resumption is a non-starter. Of course, Liverpool was hit very, very hard, uh, very hard by coronavirus. And uh, a lot of that, well, it appears to have been linked to the Liverpool Atletico Madrid game. Um, and also, uh, Chelsea have been asking foreign players to return to just in case the Premier League resumes. Uh, what have you got in your lucky pouch for us? Uh, not so lucky if you're a German football fan as the uh, the May 9th date that everyone was hoping for has now been put back after Chancellor Angela Merkel had a, a video conference call today with the state governors. Uh, that's now a no-go from what they've decided. It's been delayed another week and then they will reassess and go from there. I think we were kind of expecting that anyway. And I mean, today, I mean, a lot of the news was to do with transfer talk, if nothing else is, is going on at the moment. And they thought they'd go, all go back to spreading a bit of transfer rumours. I think Timo Werner was linked with Liverpool. Uh, looks like he's about to turn down a deal at Bayern Munich. A bit of comings and goings, maybe, with um, Manchester United as well. Sancho, certainly been some movement on rumours of Borussia Dortmund lowering their asking price. Um, whether that's due to 
how they've been affected financially or not is, is, is another big question to look at there. Other than that, the, um, in Scotland, the lowest professional, well, you can barely call it professional league, um, look like they're about to agree on the 14-14-14 restructuring of the, um, the whole championship system there. So that would mean that if they all agree to it, the other leagues cannot really veto it. Um, but obviously that's depending on whether the, um, the SPFL, uh, the top flight, finishes its season or not. What are the chances that they will finish the season? Because as you mentioned uh, last night, a lot of Scottish clubs in severe, severe financial difficulties. Well, Motherwell um, announced officially today that they put all of almost all of their staff on furlough and all of the players on furlough, uh, which effectively means that uh, the government will, through the funding that it's provided, will give 80% of wages up to 2500 So any player over that money would obviously be taking quite a substantial pay cut at the moment. So they've clearly admitted that they are having severe difficulties, but have also been given a lot of money uh, to charity as well. And we've seen a few others uh, recently, I think, providing uh, lots of nice charity. I think Manchester United giving NHS staff free meals, etc., that are staying in hotels. Um, so lots of charity work going on, but I mean, clubs are really struggling. Andrew Flint, what have you got in your goodie bag? Newcastle takeover is rumbling on, but still not quite confirmed. And a lot of debate going on, quite rightly, in my view. And I'm not saying which side of the fence I technically sit on, but um, the Saudi Arabian... Uh, private investment fund that are putting 80% of the bid together are coming under scrutiny. Now, the only thing I would mention at this point is that there needs to be consistent scrutiny um, with other similar deals, namely Manchester City with Abu Dhabi and PSG with the with Qatar. And there are very, very similar parallels that can be drawn between them. But at the moment, um, it's, it's still to be confirmed. Uh, it's being debated who really ought to be making that decision? Should the government be putting pressure on it? Um, if they did personally, now we must understand my point of view here, that would be an utter disgrace because they should have already done that. If they're going to do that for Saudi Arabia taking over Newcastle, they should have done it for Manchester City and they didn't. Um, well, let, let's they, just, uh, what, just walk it back one second, Andrew. I think you're making a very, very good point. Uh, we also would, could have said that about uh, Man City when uh, Shinawatra took over, the Thai, former Thai mm-hmm. um, yeah. Prime Minister who was responsible for at, at least 2,000 uh, murders, uh, drug dealers drug pu- and drug pushers and drug addicts. Uh, also, if they're going to do that about football, what about the City of London? The, uh, Saudis own quite large chunks of London. So do you think that maybe it's hypocrisy to look at football, hold ho- football to a higher standard? Uh, 100%, absolutely. It's a very easy target to choose football, footballers. And that's been one of the most disappointing things, I'll be honest, from a sporting perspective of this period that we're going through. And you look at the multi-million deals, multi-million pound deals, multi-million dollar deals for arms arms manufacturers with Saudi Arabia and it's, it's quite frankly sickening and yet little scrutiny is given in that respect. One other thing I would say about Saudi Arabia is that there is a an illegal streaming service that has been streaming Premier League games. Now, being sports based in Qatar, I've complained about this and, and the thing is, you know what a lot of football fans and, and commentators will say at this point, well, that's ironic 
um, a Qatar-based broadcaster is complaining about Saudi Arabian investment, and yet they do actually have a point on a on a basic legal standpoint. Huge amounts of money are paid for TV rights, and those companies and stakeholders understandably want to protect their their interests. So it's not even just on a moral standpoint now. Um, so. What Newcastle fans were trumpeting uh, about a week or two ago, uh, 10 days ago, is now looking on very, very thin ice. Andy, uh, you mentioned last night, of course, that if the Saudi bid is successful, that Pochettino will go go up. That's been mentioned around different Spanish sources as well today. Um, do you think, would Pochettino be happy being associated with like a Saudi takeover? Or might he have second thoughts? I, I, I think this is a moral question that's not just for players, coaches... Fans, I think, I think the club, everyone involved in the club needs to take it into consideration. It depends what you want the club to be. Do 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 you really care about where the money is coming from? Do you want it to be successful? Do you care what your club stands for? Do you care what you stand for? Um, obviously, you've already had the likes of Amnesty International coming out and say that this is, you know, Bin Salman, who's obviously heavily linked to the the, the fund that's coming through it, has recently been involved in or alleged to have been involved in, I will say, <coughs> uh, in the killing of a journalist in, in, in Istanbul. I have to take into consideration that it will upset an awful lot of people. But I mean, for the people of Newcastle who, you know, work hard, live on football, you look at the struggles that Sunderland are going through on the other sides, and it, it'll be a big boost for the city in terms of morale. Lots of former players coming out and saying it needs to be thought through thoroughly. But I mean, it's an exciting time period for the city as a, as a whole. Uh, do you want that tainted by the fact that the people that are potentially funding everything have a very, very sketchy human rights record uh, and it's only even just started to improve in terms of women's rights in terms of travel, driving in, in the last decade? Now, I, I have to put hands up and say that, like, you know, that I, I can't complain because I did work in Saudi Arabia and I worked years there so uh, in terms of am I compromised in terms of how I can comment on it yeah probably I am but at the same time if I'm looking from the point of, of a football fan and most football fans if you say listen there's a fellow here with uh, half a billion and he wants to invest in the club and we're going to win the league I would find yeah. it very very hard for a fan to say no it, it, it will automatically make them the richest club in the world by, by default so um, that you know would whet the appetite of, of fans that haven't even got close to being successful since the days of Kevin Keegan. This is, a, it's not just a sleeping giant. They are a giant club. I'm looking from a football fan's point of view and thinking, if you're going to guarantee my club to win, yeah, I go for it. I remember when I was working in Malta and a guy came in to run, because he had the elections to run for president, and he had very sketchy sources of money. He had very, very little money, but a lot of his money, as we said, or was proven used to come off the, the bales of boats, uh, bail, bail, uh, come in bales of boats that would be collected and brought ashore and sold in Sicily and in Europe. No one cares. Lots of interesting news in Russia at the moment. A lot taking place off the field, of course. Uh, the FNL today decided that... Everything, everything is taking off the field. Every, exactly, everywhere. I mean, even the second team. Um, so the second team, the FNL, they've decided they're going to start a new season on the second or ninth that Himki and Rotter Volgograd look like that they're going to be promoted. Uh, Chertanovo are also kind of shouting that they should be promoted as well. Um, how, how does that sit with you, that uh, they could be Rotter and Volgograd, and Rotter and Himki, will they add to the Premier Division next year? Nobody knows now, I think. I mean, apparently what they're doing now is that they, 
they want to close the league and add two, two clubs to the Premier League. Let's see how it goes, because I think a lot of people are too optimistic about when we're going to restart, whether we're going to restart. I think uh, FNL and PFL, the, the, the second tier, the third tier leagues, uh, probably they will be shut down uh, since there's not a much, uh, you know, they're not as important as the Premier League. So uh, the, the whole fuss is about the Premier League whether, and, and the, the majority of fans are worried about that, uh, what will happen there. Because uh, these things are not much discussed who will be promoted or demoted, uh, 16 clubs, 18 clubs next year. I don't, I don't understand where, where, when we're going to finish and when we're going to start again. And uh, because... As I said, in Russia, I think we're just at the at the beginning of all the uh, all the epidemic thing and the uh, and the, mm -hmm. the quarantine. I think will not be lifted uh, in, in, on the 12th of May like everybody is expecting. I think uh, it 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 will last for for a month or two, and then uh, there will be no time to to finish the Premier League. I mean, what FNL and PFL are doing now basically is is at this at some point they, they have to make the decision. And, and because I have I have calls not only from the players, but I also have calls from the the, the CEOs or, or the general managers of the clubs who are asking what what's my opinion. And my opinion is you know is is to to stick to safety, not to to, to it's it's not about especially in Russia. You know, clubs are not that dependent actually on the, on the profits that they make. Uh, you know that. Uh, the clubs take, take take the money from the budget, so yeah. they will keep on uh, until until the, the money is depleted. They will keep on doing that, <laughs> and basically they're more stable now than I think they're bonded. I mean, not now, but before or or or, or during this period, they they still they're still. As, as you said, that they're not as dependent on TV rights, of course, or on tickets or merchandise. Well, that's that, the issue of contract is something I wanted to bring up to the guys. And Alexander, I'll start with you on this one. Successful Russian coach still in action is one Mr. Yuri Palich, uh, Sjoman, the locomotive coach. And his contract is up this summer. He was hoping that it would be extend, extended again if they were to qualify for the Champions League. Now, they're in the Champions League spot, of course. So they had a great resurrection this season. They're in second place. Um, they did better this past season or this season in the Champions League than last season because, again, we know that it takes a couple, two, three, four years to improve to you know get experience in the Champions League because it's a completely different uh, setting. They, they've proposed replacing him with Marko Nikolic, the Serbian uh, coach. Do you think this Sjoman he deserves another year? Like, look, I think uh, yeah, Sjoman is a special character. I mean. Uh, the chemistry that they, he had in the in the end of ninety, beginning of the the zeros, it was totally different from what he has now. I mean, the, he he it's impossible for him to get uh, on the same level with the new gen, you know. And, uh, but he's a, I think he is a is a good coach, a great coach probably. But uh, a lot of players that I talk to uh, say that he's a very tough guy to get around with. You know. A, a very hard guy to get around with. Uh, that his uh, coaching, you know, is is something outdated, you know, and the old school guy and everything like that. But you can also see what the reaction of the fans, you know, the last days who are re re really supportive of him. If you think about locomotive, you think more about Sermon than Kikmanzi, for instance, or, yeah, or, yeah. or anybody else today in the team. You know, 
he's like the he's like the face of the team, the legend. Uh, you know, he he's the hopes of the of the of the fans. So it depends what local wants to do. If they want to create a legacy around the club, you know, the traditions and everything, they should keep swimming and maybe kick out kicking nuts. I, I hope. Vasily doesn't hear that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but but if they want to, and if but if they want to develop, you know, like uh, further, you know, create a new club, you know, something more different than they had before, then they should, you know, I'm not talking about the Serbian coach. I don't know. I don't know much about him. I, I'm, I just saw the statistics and read. I don't know him personally, so I, I cannot say. Uh, I haven't known him before. The news came out, so it's 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 uh, it's a hard question, uh, you know, to, to answer. But uh, as I said, Sjöman has also his strings attached to him, you know, of of his past, of the agents that surround him, of the people that are around him. So keeping a coach like that is like keeping, in in Russian terms, is like Mourinho, you know. Okay. I, Mendes, you know, all this stuff that you have to follow the rules that that Sjöman sets. And it depends if local wants to do it. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what it's, it's local is like. Uh, is like Dinamo or Spartak. When you don't understand what is happening, who is making the decisions? Who is the top guy? Who 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 makes the short term, mid term, or, or long term strategy in the club? So it's it's a, it's always a mess. Listen, we saw that, of course, because we were, of course, with Capital, we were working very, very closely with uh, Loco when uh, Ilya Gurkas was there. And, I remember that. <laughs> and, yeah, and after as well. I mean, and I remember with like Eric Stoffel's house, and when he came in, and he, uh, he came in, he, he, you could see what he did in terms of what he was bringing in players, the way that he saw how his show, show, club should be run. Also, in terms of that agents shouldn't be dealing directly with a coach, it should be a sport director and so on and so forth, that the sports director doesn't have, yeah. he's not an agent, he deals for, he makes money for the club, that's it, that's all he does. That didn't seem to suit Lokomotiv in some ways, and it definitely didn't suit Showman. There just needs to be a complete change altogether in the club, in terms of like head of administration plus the head coach. If he got rid of all of them, would, would that restart it or would that just, the same kind of people would end up what, back there again? No, no, that's what, exactly what I said. They have two paths. One is to, you know, to build the club around the legacy of Sermon and maybe make him the general manager that, that he will be appointing, like Alex Ferguson, you know, in yeah, yeah. Manchester United. Or you just, or you just destroy everything and kick everybody out. Not destroy, but just kick everybody out and start from scratch. Mm. So <laughs> these are two ways. Talking about agents, uh, Mr. Seljuk had something very interesting to say about uh, young Frol, the goalkeeper, basically said that he should keep his mouth shut, uh, yeah. that he shouldn't be speaking out, that he shouldn't be passing comments on uh, the response of the Russian government. Because, of course, <clears throat> we know that Yevgeny Frolov, uh, he, in an interview last weekend, he basically said that there are empty promises and nonsense statements coming from uh, Vladimir Putin. Now, I mean, that's a footballer expressing a point of view, right or wrong, but he's like a normal citizen like everybody else. Now he's being fined by his club. An agent is stepping up to slam him as well. It is, that doesn't sit right somehow, does it? I love how you've asked me that question. Well, I've asked Alexander, all, actually, would you? Yeah, I love how you've asked me that one. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the phrase, bite the hand that feeds, comes to mind. Um, it's, it's a very difficult one, and I think, yeah, 
again, we were talking about Newcastle, new ownership, et cetera, et cetera. You, you kind of have to, I don't want to say bite the bullet. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Alan, but it is yeah. you, Andy. Today. I won this um, one. You sign that deal, you have to probably take into account who is paying you. And um, maybe it's the agent's fault that they weren't informed that what kind of level that was happening or whatever. The player's just coming in to sign the deal and making sure it's right. But it's a very fine line. And I think if it's club policy or if, if it's within the contract or any of the agreements that it's within a dressing room saying you do not speak out, you do not do this, social media has to be very careful, then the player's in the wrong, frankly. Um, but in every other walk of life or essence of life, um, it, it would be the same. It's just the fact that he's a footballer, he's getting more exposure to it, and now the agent has come out as well. He's looking an awful lot worse than perhaps what would happen to uh, any of us. Is, is it fair that he's been, you know, he's been hit by his club and that he has been sort of like ostracised in that way and been told, don't speak out, don't, don't speak your mind? You have also, you know, people from the parliament who are supporting him. Like Lebedev, yeah, the son of Zhirinovsky, or many of all the people. But uh, he said, uh, yeah, but the, the thing is that he didn't mention anything about the club, the way it's coached or the way it's run or the way it's managed or anything like that. He was talking as a, uh, as a person who lives in the country and, you know, as a, as a normal human being and a taxpayer and whatever, he was he was just examining what's happening. So I don't see why he cannot speak out his mind. I also don't understand what uh, a budget-funded club is. You know, what's a budget? Uh, the government budget. But it's it's also I think uh, he's one of the people who makes this budget, right? He's, yes. Yes. He's paying taxes. I don't see any criminal things that, in his words. Uh, it's his opinion. I'm, I don't support a lot of things he said. I support a lot of things he did say, and I don't support a lot of things that he, I mean, about chips and everything, you know, that everybody is under control, 1984, after yeah. Animal Farm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but, but the, thing is, the thing is that we're already all under control. I mean, yeah. you have video cameras, you have uh, your credit cards, you have uh, internet. We are being fished, cookied, whatever. I mean, shot. Uh, all the information. Uh, you have to go to do, and live in the forest if you want to hide from that. <laughs> but uh, for, apart from that, as, as a person who also has a small business, I understand that... Uh, we need some help from the government, not money, but, you know, to support to, for me to negotiate with uh, the guy I'm renting my, uh, uh, you know, uh, so, some real estate that I'm renting out afterwards. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing that, uh, but I also watch other news, other countries, everybody, some support their government, some criticize them. This guy criticized his government. So what? I mean, yeah. there's, I don't think you'd see anything, any criminal thing in that. Plus, of all the clubs, clearly Sovietov, you know, these people managed to mismanage budgets that are given to them by the government every year. Yeah. Every year they have problems, financial problems. They they sign some crazy contracts. They pay crazy agent compensations, uh, whatever you know. And and after that they say, look, Evgeny Frolov, your words really hit us because we won't be getting this money. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> for me. It's, it's I don't. I mean, I, I 
as I said, I support his freedom of speech. I don't support everything he said because some things I find mm. absurd, but some yeah. things are correct. So it's, it, but it's his point of view. He didn't, as I said, he didn't criticize the club. He didn't say anything bad about the club. He, he's a guy who speaks his mind always, you know, I think. Because we, we, we worked with Evgeny. We, we helped him in, in some cases. I mean, he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy with uh, with his uh, with his uh, opinion. That's okay. No, I was just going to say I, I I completely agree that it's not criminal, but obviously if the club have made a policy when you're doing it, then um, I, I think it would happen in the UK, but it would be handled internally. Alexander, you wanted your bin. Thing is that if you check Evgeny's uh, social media, like uh, his Instagram, he has been posting these things for two months. And there was no reaction from the club, and he has over 10,000 subscribers. And nobody said a word to him before that. And all of a sudden, this small interview became a, a bomb. Why didn't they f stop stop him before? Well, well, they have their you know PR management or whatever. They never told him or said said a word to him. So it was perfectly okay with them before the governor called. Ah. <laughs> Because, I mean, look, I understand, I do understand, you know, when working as a sports manager, I had one, uh, I won't name her, a tennis player that we worked with, I think, sponsored by Adidas, but she preferred wearing Nike. Now, she went to some Uzbek city, it, it wasn't Tashkent, it wasn't Samarkand, I think it could have been Fergana. She's in her hotel, it's middle of summer so of course it's around 40 degrees ac they are ac is working in the room she's just lying there and she has her um sports gear like like uh like with shorts and a, a sports bra with the well with the swoosh the nike swoosh so she's taking pictures and then putting them up on facebook oh, yeah. now, i just luckily luckily just it popped up on the feeds going hold on hold on what's she doing this for i phoned the hotel got her and said take them down immediately she said why i said you are sponsored by Adidas. And if they see you posting up pictures wearing Nike, first of all, you're going to get, you're going to get done. They're going to break the contract with you. You're going to sue. Most important about what I said, most important of all was yeah. our company's going to lose money. So, you know, she well, had... Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just it's like, yeah. you know, it is trying to be careful. <laughs> Before we go away, uh, I, I want to just uh, with, with uh, Andrew... We're looking at like we're looking now. The extension of the this lockdown uh, is to well March or May eleven, excuse me. Um, as Alexander said, mm -hmm. I agree with him that it's going to be a lot longer than that. What's the best we can hope for, in your opinion? I'm not, I'm not sure. It's a short answer. I mean, there's one part of me that wants to see football come back, but realistically, I know it's just not going to happen um, completely. It's going to be messy at best, and like we discussed in the last. Uh, early this week even, um, the fitness of players, the well-being of players is a, is a concern um, because if we're going to try and cram in eight weeks' worth in the proposals that we've seen are to, to fit into the space of about four weeks, five weeks of, of playing time, it'll be fun as a sporting festival but not so fun for the players who are going to have to adjust very quickly, not just before that period but afterwards. Um, I would like to see, I think the best thing we can hope for is an end to the season that includes some level of sporting integrity. And at this point in time, I think I've, I think the most realistic compromise is possibly some kind of a playoff 
system that we suggested. Take it from here, start with a points per games ratio and from there to reduce the number of games needed to finish the season. Um, something along those lines. You know, yeah. If you look at other leagues around the world, uh, there are some, like you mentioned, PSG, for example, are, are relatively comfortable with their lead at the top of the table. Um, and if you look in the Russian Premier League, Zanita are, are all going to be champions, basically. It's very, very unlikely that they won't be. So it's very hard to make a uniform decision. But there's some sort of sporting sporting method to decide champions, rather than just saying, right, that's it, your champions, done. I think if that can happen... That would be the best outcome for me. Alexander, I know you you mentioned before, like it's it's very difficult to see how this can all end off. What, in your opinion, could be the best possible outcome eventually when it when it, it there will have to be some sort of end to this. There's no best outcome. There's no best outcome. I mean, we can all we can risk the health of people and and, and try to push uh, the the championship to restart. And I, I would like to see it finish be finished in a sporting manner than on paper, rather than on paper. You know, objectively, we let's look around. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we see the scenario that with the, the coronavirus that, that's happening in the States. We see what's happening in Brazil. We, see, we, see, we saw what's happening in Italy and Spain. I mean, is it worth the risk? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, uh, today, uh, what's happening is much more important than football or anything. I mean, football is more important than life, but I think uh, in the end, life is more important. More important than death. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a KGB get on. What about you? I mean, what, what do you think is the best we can hope for? I mean, yeah, just getting this over and done with as quickly as possible. And if that means people remaining in lockdown for a, a, as long as necessary, I mean, we've already starting to see I think one of the, the the best bits we've seen so far probably in terms of judging it is that the, the Tokyo Olympics are going to be done in 2021 as Tokyo 2020 and even um, Shinzo Abe has come out and said that's probably going to be highly dependent on a vaccine being created before then because if this is seasonal <clears throat> looking at January time again for a potential another outbreak so we have to take it baby steps all the way now and, um, and and be realistic about what what's in front and if you can finish the seasons whenever it's going to be then great but in all likelihood that's not going to be the case and I think uh, you'll see a lot of leagues shut down um, null and voided whether they award titles or not there'll be financial and courts and all kinds of other things that will take up a lot of time as well before they finish. So, I mean, best case scenario for playing football again, I reckon you're probably looking at August, especially here where um, a lot of the airlines have already shut down and said they won't be flying anywhere until August. So that would scupper a lot of travel, which is maybe why the FNL has sort of looked at early August or the second week of August as as an opportunity to maybe get back up and running as there's a lot of travel involved. And you do not want to be making those journeys by coaches, as Mr. Flint will be able to attest to. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, guys, we're going to wrap up. Uh, go first to Andrew Flint. Andrew, thank you very much for your time this evening. And a pleasure to share it with you guys. Uh, Andy, a very, very, thank you very, very much for, for being here tonight. I, could, I, I wish I could say the same as Mr. Flint. <laughs> and Alexander Zotto, thank you for your time this evening. I'm looking forward to the after party right now. One thing that unites us for, for, for sure is that we don't shave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got three lovely beers, a full of And that we're healthy. 
We're healthy. Stay healthy, guys. <laughs> so, folks, that's it. Wrapping up for uh, today's show. You'll hear us again on Sunday because we'll have lots more to talk about. So, uh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Have a great uh, May Day tomorrow, uh, or well, today when you're going to hear this. Uh, have fun. Thank you very much. I'm Alan Moore, Capital Sports.